in the book of James. Thanks, Wally. Thank you, Pastor John. It's good to be here. I'm not sure how you're experiencing this right now, but wonderful to have you with us. Uh, Wherever you may be, whatever country you're in, uh, it's just great to be here. And we're continuing uh, on our series of James. We've been looking at this letter in detail and it's been wonderful unpacking this uh, together. And a little refresher, James has written to an early group of Christians and the words written were to encourage them in their faith. Now these encouragements were, were very real, there were challenges here to follow Jesus And they were written, although many years ago, these words still apply to us today. They're honest, down to earth, practical, gritty, the stuff of everyday life. We've painted a picture of the type of people uh, that James is writing to as you you look at the encouragements that James writes and also the challenges that he gives. It gives an idea, it paints a picture of the type of people uh, that existed at that time. And we see people there who were quarrelling. There were disputes amongst the people in that church. There were disputes that occurring uh, without restraint from the tongue. There was favouritism. Some people were being favoured over others. And so James says that such behaviour is a manifestation of a, a worldly spirit, so, so let it go. And he encourages them instead that this must be replaced with, with wisdom from above with meekness, with peace. And then he also challenges the church and us that flirtation with the world must be seen as incompatible with God's desires. And then he calls us to be wholehearted and to have a humble allegiance before God. And the last verses that we we read before the, the passage we come into Uh, James 4.10, the encouragement, humble yourselves before God. Humble yourselves before him. And so James continues on in this whole theme of dependence and of humility before God. But not just before him, not in this abstract form, but lived out in our very practical relationships with each other. So today we're going to be looking at James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, only two verses and intentionally pausing on two verses because I believe the theme that we're looking at today is something that is so true of each of us, something that can overtake us without us even being aware. So James chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles there open and we'll read that in a moment. Now there was a season in life when I was really taken by a a show, a TV uh, series called Judge Judy. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen uh, this show, but when it first came out, I I was transfixed by it. I'm not sure why. I wonder if you have seen the show. There are some people here who are giggling away. They've they've seen it too. And so, supposedly, it it is a live uh, televisation of an American courtroom with people bringing their petty lawsuits against one another, with Judge Judy presiding in power over the court. And I must say there was a lot to hold your attention. Petty arguments of people uh, coming and going, people bringing uh, their life struggles and how they present their cases. 
also the different and very unique type of people that came through the courtroom and I wonder because it was televised if it was lean you know, towards the more dramatic and yes of course and so some of the claims were quite, quite outrageous, quite outlandish and it was almost quite humorous to see people uh, bringing these things and these cases against each other. And then of course there was Judge Judy herself, strong, independent, with her don't mess with me attitude with the ability to say to see straight through the manipulative tactics of those presenting and defending their cases in her courtroom and her matter-of-fact judgments made quickly and decisively. And as I would watch, I would often identify with Judge Judy. I wonder if that was the case for you as you watched Would you put yourself in the shoes of those bringing their cases or with Judge Judy? I would say, while I was watching the show, in in matter of fact, I was sitting in her seat trying to, to understand these situations the way that she was. And so I'd put myself in her shoes, trying to discern what was going on in each of these cases. I wouldn't identify with the claimants, but with Judge Judy. And what this actually does is identify something in me and something in which we all possess and if we're honest about this would say is actually true of us all. That deeply ingrained in our nature is the tendency to make judgments far too quickly, to make assumptions about people and situations in the blink of an eye. It seems that we have this tendency and This tendency within us is one that James wants to address in the next portion of his letter. I'd like to read it. Open your Bibles if you have them there. If you don't, press pause and run off. Grab your Bible. I'm reading from the NLT and I'll be reading verses 11 and 12 from chapter 4 in James. It says this, Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticise and judge each other, then you were criticising and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbour? Two simple verses with a deeply profound truth. And so the first encouragement, and there are two that I would like to bring to our attention here this morning. Firstly is this. The encouragement is right there in verse 11. Don't speak evil of one another. Speak evil, literally the the language used in its original form means to speak against one another means harmful speech or, or to slander. And so the words here that James encourages are, are quite to the point, don't speak evil of one another. And he unpacks this in two types of ways, in two, in two ways. First he unpacks this idea of speaking evil of one another in a form that is to not criticise. Don't criticise, he says. To criticise is not just bad form, but in reality it is to stand above that person in judgement. 
And we do this often, far too easily. And unless we intentionally pursue this in our own lives, we can find ourselves judging, criticising people far too quickly. We may not do it in overt ways, but we can often do it in smaller ways, like little little jokes, you know, sort of humour, that, that humorous little giggle with someone that puts the person down. And so James is, is encouraging us not to live lives like this. Don't criticise, he says, and continues on. And don't judge each other. Don't judge each other. For in effect, what you are really doing, says James, is judging God's law. So whilst you might think you're just saying some comments about the individual, you might be sharing those with people, even keeping them to yourselves, but in effect what you're really doing is judging God's law. Now this is an interesting thought. Is how does this work? What does he really mean? When you affirm, uh, when you affirm your actions to criticise and to judge people, you go against the nature of the law, is what James says. The law? What does he mean? What is James saying here? What law is James referring to? There's a question to be asked. And it's a good question if you ask that question. But it has actually been answered for us previously. If you've been part of our previous series, we looked at this briefly in another part. For James has already defined for us and alluded to the law of which he speaks now. In James 2.8, James speaks of the royal law as found in scripture, which is summarised as love your neighbour as yourself. And so James is pointing to a blaring contradiction. How can you criticise, how can you judge your brother and sister whilst saying that you love them? You see, we fail to uphold this command to love one another when we place ourselves above someone and stand in judgement over them. When we criticise them, when we put them down. So James says, you can't live this life. There's a contradiction in play here. And so there's an implicit idea. It's not stated. But if you're not to criticise and judge each other, so encourage one another. That's a pattern that we see all through the Old and New Testament. Here's just a couple of those verses in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing in this situation. Or Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language, but let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Or Romans 14.19, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. These are some good encouragements. And they're actually a good way to determine if what we're judging, speaking, assuming of someone are actually good or bad. And so when we think thoughts of someone or if we're about to say something about someone, these verses can actually encourage us and and help refine what we're about to say. It's a good way to ask ourselves, the things I'm thinking or about to share about this person, is this going to build the person up? The thing I'm about to share about, is this going to encourage them? 
I find it interesting too, we often judge people behind their backs, don't we? So it can often be a good question, would I actually say this to them to their face? If they were in the room, would I share what I'm about to say, what I'm about to speak, what I'm about to think even at times? So it's a good idea to ask ourselves, are the words that are about to come out of my mouth, are these to build the person up or will they tear them down? Do I stand high in my high place and look down upon people to judge and criticise them? Or will I come alongside people and walk with them, look them in the eye and speak words of grace and love to encourage them? to lift them up, to build them up, encourage them in their walk with Jesus and in their life. So here's this first idea. Don't speak evil of one another. And then it continues. But obey the law and love each other. Obey the law and love each other. Verse 11, James says this, but your job is to obey the law. And not judge whether it applies to you. So it's not our task, it's not our role to judge, but to humbly obey the commands that God gives us. Our part is to obey. James is calling us back to one of the hallmark traits of of that which defines a follower of Jesus Christ. And it was something that Jesus himself spoke in the Gospels. In John 14:15, as Jesus was teaching his disciples, as they followed him, as they walked with him, he said, if you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my words, obey my instructions. And so as James has and continues to, he reminds us that our calling is to humbly walk in obedience, living out this royal law of love, which James has called it previously, to love our neighbours as ourselves, not to place ourselves in a position to judge God's law. We're called to place ourselves as students at the feet of our master. We're not called to question his authority or his plans for us. We're called not to judge, not to judge whether his commandments apply to us. Now, I used to work at Village Cinemas when I was uh, 15 to about 19 years of age. And uh, when I was working there, they used to have... Uh, that <laughs> Hi. <laughs> That's what you saw, by the way. It just fell down. <laughs> we used to have a, a lolly section. There used to be a popcorn and lolly section where you would go and you'd get your, you know, your food to watch the movie. But they used to have this lolly section and, and it was called uh, Many Things, but pick and mix was the idea. You'd come in, you'd grab a bag and you'd grab a spoon and there were far too many lollies to choose from and far too many sweet things that you could possibly eat. But you got to go around with a little spoon. This wouldn't be allowed nowadays with COVID, of course. But you'd go around with a spoon and, and you'd, you'd choose You choose the lollies that you like and you could leave the ones that you don't. So I'd go around uh, with my bag, black cats, push those aside, go nowhere near them and I'd be going straight to the mint leaves. Absolutely wonderful. As well as many other lollies. So you could pick and mix, you could choose what you like and ignore the parts that you don't. 
Funny thing is, sometimes we can read the Bible or the commandments of Jesus like a pick and mix. Sometimes as we read through the Bible, there are the parts that we like and we, we, we grip them, we, we hold on to them dearly and go, yes, amen. And then we come upon something that challenges us or calls us to do something that we don't like. Maybe leave a sour taste in our mouth and we can very easily push that aside. And it seems that this is what these people were doing. They were favouring They were applauding some over others. They were ignoring the very essence of what God was calling them to do, which was to love one another. Which sounds wonderful. And it is, it is. is It's a wonderful commandment. It summarises all of them. But when we get into real life and we walk with people who are hard to love, that's a different story at times, isn't it? What we find ourselves doing when we read the Scriptures We choose parts for ourselves, but we push others aside. In reality, we set ourselves above God. We say, thank you, but I am going to choose for myself which parts matter and which don't. James reminds us that it is God and God's place alone to judge. Our place is to humbly obey. And he reminds us that God is the one who gave the law. Don't set yourself above the very one who put this law into place. And then he also encourages or challenges us that it's God's part for he has the power to save and to destroy. He's alluding to Jesus who spoke in Matthew 28. Jesus said, it is God alone who has the power to save or to throw into hell. There's a warning here. There's a warning to those who would be setting themselves above God. There's a warning to say, wait, be careful now. Don't forget who God is. Don't forget that it's his place. Pull yourself back. Humble yourselves before God. And stop taking his place. We're also reminded that it is God's place alone to judge. And that this judgment is of eternal nature. And this is where it gets interesting. Because when we read this at first, there's this idea of, well, don't judge. Don't judge. I understand that. But what does that really mean? There are different forms of what we might say judging. I'd say that James is not forbidding proper necessary discrimination of flagrant disobedience to the standards of faith. And we know because in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 6 there are many verses there encouraging Christians to live a certain way. He's also not forbidding us to determine right and wrong amongst God's community. He's not discouraging us to come alongside each other and to speak honestly with one another for the good of each other and for the good of our faith. I wonder if you've ever heard the words, if you've ever said the words, don't judge me. You hear that a lot today. Don't judge me. Don't come in and tell me what to do. And behind that phrase is really the line that says, don't challenge my behaviour. 
Accept me for who I am and let me do the things that I want to do. Don't judge me. However, Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, we're encouraged that you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. So here's the interesting part. As believers, we are encouraged to walk alongside each other and encourage each other towards Jesus Christ, to challenge behaviours in our lives that don't align with the commandments with God. But here's the difference. It's for the good. It's done with love. It's done alongside. It's not to stand above. It's to walk in the mud and to encourage each other as we walk the same road and the same journey together. So this is not a a condemnation to walk alongside each other, to spur each other on, to encourage each other and to call each other out quite honestly with love and with grace but it's rather to condemn jealous, censorious speech which we can, in which we condemn others as being wrong in the sight of God. The thing only God is called to do. For we are not in a place to judge. We are fallible. We have limited information. We don't know the full story. We're not in a place. We, we don't know a person's true intention And all we have is a very limited interpretation of the events or the person before us. I want you to imagine in your mind's eye a courtroom, similar to as I shared earlier with Judge Judy. I want you to imagine the judge sitting up high. I want you to see the jurors in their stand off to one side and and then, of course, all of those watching I want you to smell what's in the air. I'm not sure if you've ever been to a courtroom, but do your best to get a sense of that place. Okay, I want you to think about the process that, uh, that, would, um, that would go before you if you were to sit there or if you were to be a fly on the wall. There would be a judge presiding and then people would come and they would bring evidence. They would be trying to paint a picture of a situation so that the judge is able to say, whether the, the, the person being present, presented is, is being rightly or wrongly accused, depending, of course, on the accusation. And the judge, being fallible, is listening to evidence presented by different people. One person presents a piece of evidence, another, another piece of evidence, and a, a picture is formed. And it's, it's on that information that the jurors and the judge need to make an assessment of that situation. And one piece of evidence can make all the difference. And not only that, the, the people presenting, the, the jurors and even the judge, has to try to determine the person's true intention. Are they telling me the truth? Is this a fabrication? Are they lying? And so the jurors and the judge have to see through and try to determine what is actually being presented to them. And very quickly you can understand how limited the understanding is of the judge and the jurors. However, God is not at all like this type of judge, for God knows the complete picture. He knows everything in its fullness. He's not trying to determine the situation, he already knows it. 
And he also knows the heart of each individual. There's no guessing or trying to put the pieces together. He was there. And he reads the hearts and the minds of every person. He has all the information before him. And so only he has the rightful place to judge and to know the situation for what it is. We, however, do not. So it's not our place. It's our place to say, Lord, I I will leave this in your hands. And when we find ourselves doing so, we need to remind ourselves, Lord, this is not my place, but it's yours. We find ourselves naturally, and we do at times, speaking, thinking negatively or assuming negative things of those around us. The call here is to hold ourselves up and go, no, I will only speak the things that will build others up. And as we come together as a community, remember these words are written to a community of God, to each of us individually in our lives, but to each of us also as a community. Let us encourage each other to encourage each other. We need each other because it's, so, it's such a natural part of ourselves. We need to walk with one another, to spur each other on, to continue to show love and care. To remind each other that only God is in the place to make a full assessment of any situation. Our place is to obey. We don't have the right to judge someone or their place before God. Our role is to simply come with humility and to obey God. And James, like all of this, 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 uh, this book, continues to encourage us to live a real, authentic faith that's proven not just by our words but in action. Encourages us not to make intellectual judgments of one another. He calls us to love each other, to obey God's royal law of love, to love one another in all that we do. So as you go, that's my prayer for you. My prayer that it is something that you may grow in. I believe this is something that needs to grow in us. It reminds me of a, a time when I was a young boy. My mum tells this story of when I was four or five years of age and so I was just told. I just learnt that ladies have babies <laughs> and so that when their tummies are presenting a certain way, it means that there's a baby inside and that they're able to give birth in due time. And so being four or five, being at the supermarket, I've been told, sitting in a pram, we walked past an overweight lady. And being four or five, I said out loud, quite loudly to mum, look, mummy, does that lady have a baby in her belly? Now, that lady didn't have a baby in her belly. And being four or five, I could get away with that and mum would have put her eyes down, maybe say sorry, and she got out of there rather quickly. And here's the reality though. I no longer say that comment anymore (laughs) because as we grow, as we mature, we learn that there's more to the story, that things are not always the way that they seem. And so this is my prayer for each one of us, that we may grow to learn that there's more to the story.
that we may trust each other and situations before God and not to be quick to judge, to be slow to speak and quick to love and to support each other in all that we do. Can I pray? Father, I want to thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us as we read your word. And so now as we go, Father, we pray that you would grow us to be more like you. We pray that you will enable us to love one another, Father. And when we find ourselves judging or assessing or assuming, that you enable us to grow, to hold ourselves back, to continue to think well of one another and to build each other up. We pray that your Holy Spirit may guide us and may we be sensitive to your Holy Spirit in our lives, Father. Shape us and grow us to be more like you. Above all, to love each other the way you have called us to, Father. To build each other up with our words, with our action, Father. And by doing so, showing ourselves to be humble and obedient, followers and children of God. I pray a blessing for each person here this morning as they go. Wherever they go today or this week, may the Holy Spirit just fill them, empower them, Lord, to live their days for you. I pray all of these things now in Jesus' mighty name and all of God's people say, Amen. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Wally. Um, for us to say goodbye, um, we wanted to share one last song with you. Uh, a lot of the words will sound familiar to you because they're familiar words in, in many benedictions. Um, and they come out of scripture and we, we want to sing this song as a blessing uh, to you all. Um, I wish more than I could express that I could hug you and see you all, um, but we love you and we are so grateful for your love for us. And for me, some of you have been loving me for 22 years and we're just so humbled and grateful. So, um, yeah, hope you are blessed by this song as well. <laughs>